Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome and thank you for joining us yet again. We know there are more and more of you every week. We're very excited to host you on Glamour Hey It's Okay. I'm Jo Elvin. Today I'm joined by Glamour's social media editor, Kat Brown. Hello. And really rather excitingly, uh, sort of, he's a comedian, an author, a filmmaker, a playwright, just a cultural king and I believe one of Glamour's most loyal subscribers to date. <laughs> yeah. It's Mr. David Bedeal. Hi. Hi, yes, Thanks I am. Thanks for coming and standing All in the cupboard. All those things. It's yeah. very nice in this cupboard. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I'm surprised there's not more linen. Well, that's you what know, I expect if, the cupboard. if we'd had your rider in time, then <laughs> yeah. that would have been done. I like linen, I like an ironing board, otherwise that it's what not really a cupboard. Is that what your dressing room's like? Yeah, it's got mainly that in it. It's got loads of them in it. Are you one of those people? Do you have to have something... What, in my dressing room? Yeah, something exciting and specific and annoying. No, I think I am literally the least diva-ish person in show business. I'm just going to look at your agent right now yeah. for, the, for, the, for the side eye. Yeah. Oh, it's she's true. shaking her head. I yeah. tell you, the, if anything, the problem is that I don't have any thing that I organise, an organising principle for my dressing room. So mm. within about, I mean, I'm presently at the Playhouse Theatre and will be there for 10 weeks. Yes. And essentially, the thing I probably need, she's unfortunately dead, is my mother to come and clear it up every so often because all that will happen is it will have, you know, bags of takeaways and, you know, just thing, newspapers. It will just get very messy. Now, we want to talk about your play. It's just been. It's not a play. Is it not? What is no, it? No, this is something that happens to me a lot. And actually, Sorry. I said that slightly aggressively, but uh, it's interesting. I am started yesterday, I think, on social media. Someone wrote to me and said, oh, I love your play. And it, I feel bad because I said it's not a play. And then I wrote, hashtag, maybe it is a play, <laughs> because so many people call it a play. Uh, and from my, from my point of view, it's not a play because okay. it is a stand-up show. Uh, it's a one-man show, uh, and it's all totally true, and it's storytelling, and it's laughs. And jokes. Uh, I use a screen and I use footage and whatever, but it is not a fiction and it is not, uh, you know, it doesn't have any acting in it at all, really. It's just me performing. However, people seem to see it as a play. And I wonder, why did you think it was a play? Um, from the sort of like the descriptions I've read, it seems to have either sort of like the plot points of mm. a play in that it, it tells your story. Mm. It's called My Family, not the sitcom. Yeah. And I think probably because. Well, does that sound like a play? Well, because I think. Because <laughs> Because it's had so much praise for 
how deeply personal it is. And I mm. always associate that sort of thing more with a play than with what you're saying is stand-up. Really? You know See, yeah. I wouldn't at all. I would okay. associate that totally with stand-up rather than a play because a play mm. is distancing uh, fiction normally. I mean, if mm. it's about a real thing, it's a distancing, organising thing. Whereas a stand-up, particularly good stand-up, tends to be doing very authentic material about their actual life. Well, you know what? It's your thing. Yeah. So you can call it whatever the hell you like. That's true. Although it's the one yeah. thing I will mention, uh, totally, I'm not crowbarring this in that much, I don't think, because it is relevant, is it's been nominated for the Olivier Awards, mm-hmm. uh, which are on... When does this go out? That is definitely a play. Yes, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's so a play. No, no, but I mean, you say I didn't that. Go, no, I didn't is. finish university, I, but so I needed cat's validation <laughs> I on I swear that. it's, it's yeah. also the location as well, because um, there are so many more... We, we see this a lot at the Edinburgh Festival and at the Soho Theatre and in comedy locations. That now you get stand-up shows that are still about a max of an hour but have much more personal story that are much more multimedia in focus. Mm, yeah. Completely forgotten his surname now, but um, Richard, who did that, uh, Richard Gad, that was it. Richard Gad, incredibly powerful show, mm. and won the Edinburgh Prize last yeah, year. Yeah, but he won the comedy prize. Yeah, he did win the yeah, comedy so prize. Hour long in the Soho Theatre. Yeah, that's I, a comedy. No, see, I haven't seen that show. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. But uh, someone I know who has seen it said your show, my show, David's show. <laughs> I'm saying David is the third <laughs> person. Your show is a much uh, more comedy show than that one. Your show is a comedy show. His show is a very interesting piece of performance art. Your show, which essentially is funny stories mainly yeah. about your parents, that's a comedy show. So tell us more about it because it, it is funny stories but on rather bleak subjects. Well, yes and no. Uh, I mean, my dad's side of it is uh, has some bleakness in it because it is uh, about his dementia in part. Mm. Uh, it's also just about him and look at what kind of person he was always like, what kind of father he was like. My mum's story is only bleak insofar as she, that she is dead. Mm. And that throws a poignancy over the whole thing. But really, it's just hilarious. It's about how my mum was having an affair for most of her life with a golfing memorabilia salesman. And as a result, turned her life over and our life, our family life, over to golf. Mm. Uh, and she was never interested in golf before but suddenly literally within a matter of weeks of falling in love with this man she was the biggest golfing fanatic in the world and carried on being so for years and years and years are you more upset about the affair or the golf i'm not upset about either i celebrate them hugely Uh, i mean well i'm slightly upset about the golf because golf is obviously very naff but in that there is much comedy Mm. i mean it wasn't just golf it was golfing memorabilia this is very important essentially you know we weren't very rich but we didn't have much to eat but we had statues of Lee Trevino to look at all the time <laughs> and it was I mean that is hilarious and there's and yeah. so when people say it's bleak and it's bright I think well not really it's funny mainly there what there is is poignancy and I guess that is the theatrical element to some extent is that as the show moves through the two hours uh, it does become uh, towards the end quite moving and I certainly myself find it quite moving at the times mm. find it quite difficult to get through the end of it um, but primarily what I'm trying to do is take my parents, who one of whom is dead and one of whom is dementia, and celebrate their lives, but using comedy. So mm. choosing what a lot of people would think of as like, oh, these aren't the things that you celebrate, like your mum having an affair and your dad. I mean, it's about my dad's dementia, but it's also about the fact that my dad was always the most sweary, curmudgeonly yeah. man ever. And that's where my celebration is. It lies in what most people would think of as the bad parenting. I suppose uh, maybe some people are uncomfortable describing something that that does focus on things like dementia as a comedy I know I mean there's certainly there's madness in my family sort of in a in an affectionate way but I kind of am going to have to wait till they all die before I ever sort of like tell some of these stories why though 
Well, as I think my mum would kill me. Well, that's interesting. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because I talk in the show, and have you, you haven't seen it, have you? No. Well, I mean, I talk towards the end of the show about whether my mum would have liked the show, and I'm mm. absolutely sure she would have liked the show. Mm. But it is true that I would have found it quite difficult to do while she was alive. Right. Uh, which doesn't mean that I don't think she would have liked it. I just think it would have been kind of awkward. She'd have been there every night, apart from anything. She always came to every show, which would have been slightly weird, I think. Uh, and but the the thing about the dementia thing in comedy is every night I can't I. Luckily, I get an encore, which is nice, and in the encore, I do a and a And one of the things I do in the Q&A towards the end of it is say, who here has a relative with dementia? And lots of people put their hands up because, you know, it's an epidemic. And then I say, are you okay with me bringing comedy into the room with it? And literally 100% of the hands go up. I yeah. mean, literally every single person says, oh, my God, you c- I couldn't do it. I couldn't live with my, you know, dad or whatever if I wasn't able to laugh about what happened. So really, to be honest, it's only journalists right. uh, who say, oh, is it okay to laugh about comedy? People uh, laugh about dementia. People who have relatives with dementia rely on laughter. But may- maybe that's it- it's that permission that it gives yeah. in a way. Because, you know, I have a friend who uh, both her parents went through that. And I think that there was enormous, an enormous amount of guilt for her in the times that it did really frustrate the hell out of her. Mm. So I think that that's, I, I think that's what's really important about mm. a show like yours is that, I don't know, I mean, any, no, kind, right. of, any kind of dialogue, I think, is so releasing yeah. for, for well, Comedy is a really brilliant thing from that point of view. Yeah. In that because it is literally a release. Because mm. if you start laughing, that's a release of some kind of thing within yeah. you. It does actually, if it's something that you feel pain about or something you feel you can't talk about, whatever, yeah. it's just happened through laughter. You are in the moment of releasing that tension or whatever. And so, yeah, and I mean, people do tell me stories about their relatives with dementia, some of which I've put in the show. Yeah. And people also tell me stories, which I have to say is almost better, about their relatives who had secret stuff going on in their lives when they were young, affairs that they never talked about. I mean, people I don't know will come up to me and tell me, oh God, we always went on holiday with this guy who I thought was my uncle. Turned out my parents were in a menage a trois with him, but only ever happened in the caravan. Stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, well, I want to see that play. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think there's, there's also a reason that the, the masks of theatre, you've got the comedy mask and you've got the tragedy mask mm. in the same place because they're both two ends of the same thing and very often if you are going through something that is tragic whether it's illness or just an incident in your life whether it's uh, cancer or mental illness or, or something else like that you need to laugh in order mm. to process it no, totally. because it's such a such a dark and difficult thing yeah to get well through. from my point of view i mean i talk in the show i was in therapy for ages and i do i think i say at some points in the in the q a i say you know this is better apart from anything it's financially better <laughs> uh, for me but i do think because my mum died very suddenly like very suddenly we didn't expect it she's younger than my dad and whatever mm. and as a result i don't think i did process it like you do if someone has i think i don't know it's not happened to me but if your relative has cancer and dies over a long period of time you do get at least a chance however terrible it is the process that they're going to go whereas I didn't and I think the writing and the creation of the show is a little bit doing that I think is there anything in that kind of writing that's off limits for you not really if it's funny I have a basic belief that if it's funny genuinely funny it won't actually be mean-spirited and awful I know there are cruel and awful jokes but I sort of think those ones are not funny I uh, my own sense of funny is is that so for example I don't talk about my mum's actual death and the reason I do that is not because I think oh it's off limits it's because it's not funny it Mm. was really hideous Mm. and there is no comedy in it and so just from a sort of like creative point of view I thought well why would I put that in the show it Mm. will just be wrong you know but it's not because I think oh yeah I mustn't talk about that in a kind of Mm. moral way now it's on until June 3 Mm. at the Playhouse theatre. What, what's your family's reaction? Uh, my family is basically now, m- my dad has dementia so he uh, d- is not aware of it happening. I mean I have told him but he won't hold on to that mm. information. Uh, my brothers who are the main 
people that I was worried about, they were very, very uncertain. And then they came to the show uh, and they loved it, basically. Um, my older brother, who I, told, I kept on saying to him, I'm very close to my older brother, please come to the workshops. I was doing them at Soho Theatre. He didn't come. I think he was avoiding it at some level. It was still quite soon after my mum's death. Mm. Uh, and then eventually he came to the first night at the Chocolate Factory, which is this theatre in South London. I know I it well. Premiered it at. Yeah. And, uh, and he's in the audience, and there's all these critics in the audience. And uh, in the bit at the end of the show where I do the Q&A, I probably alienated all the critics at a stroke because I said, you know what, I don't care what all of you with your hands up want to ask. I have to find out what my... I really did emotionally have to know what my older brother thought. Yeah. And he said bless him he said oh I loved it but then he made me cry on stage because he said I loved it because it felt like she was in the room oh My David mom. yeah so that yeah. made me go is it okay to actually not be monogamous hmm. a lot of people get very very offended at the idea of even discussing do they this do they yeah. really because there's that thing recently yeah. if I could bring it up of Mike Pence do you know that, that thing that Mike Pence which is kind of relevant to this yeah. that his wife said in a feature in the New York Times that Mike doesn't even go uh, eating he will never eat on his own with another woman and, 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 and if he goes the population of women is grateful well you might actually yeah. accidentally inhale her at the dinner table yeah. and yeah. that would be yeah. socially awkward and also he doesn't he never drinks if he's not with Karen in case uh, something happened. And the Sometimes thing- your penis just falls into people. Yeah. I, mean, I always find that. But, yeah. can super I, but yeah. something about it's interesting, Joe, that you went there uh, to the penis thing there. What's well, true? Uh, although Mike Pence's name is sort of penis, isn't it? Mike Pence. It's on uh, brand. Yeah, uh, but um, but is one of the things about that discussion that strikes me as very interesting is. Uh, that I think, what about not about sex? What about leaving sex out of that equation for a second, Mike, and everyone else who's arguing about it? And just think about the fact that you are cutting yourself off from experiencing the thoughts and interesting emotions and all the rest of it, just relationships with, i.e. non-sexual ones, virtually 50% of the world, apart from your wife. Yeah. Right. So 50% of the world, you're not going to have any proper contact with not because you're only ever allowed to meet them in sort of very very sort of formal circumstances where that's ridiculous but i think he's a an absolutely just astounding sort of like textbook case of a chauvinist who who would not think yeah. that any women have anything of value but to that's say. so right so i think that's the thing that hasn't been said enough there's lots yeah. of people saying oh you've got to trust your partner not to anything like well never mind about that never mind yeah. trust never mind sex what about the narrowness of experience involved in deciding never to be with any other women apart from yeah. your wife that's an unbelievably terrible thing you're right to, to think about your the opposite gender that they might not have anything to offer yeah except looking good maybe yeah it's so good that you can't help but i mean i don't know how relevant this is to, to but you said the thing about being offended i mean i'm going to mention something else which is about the mike pence thing which is actually my wife more in the banks uh was on this morning the other day because she's the voice of mummy pig i know yeah and so they were talking about pepper pig uh it's complicated for a jewish bloke obviously her being mummy pig <laughs> uh, but anyway uh she so she's on that and so i was watching i, I don't normally watch it but i watched it because when was on it and then they were having a, a poll about this would you let your partner blah 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 and 51 percent said no yeah i mean what I just don't understand it. really doesn't it. surprise me. I just know because um, we've got a feature in the recent issue about a polyamorous relationship. Mm. It's two guys and a girl. They mm. live and share all sorts of things together. And we've had such anger from people about that feature. Really? People are just so angry. When you about- say people, do you mean women? Uh, no, actually. This is on, on Facebook comments. So it's just probably, but- uh, you know, out the bias is, yes, a, a female audience, mm. but not exclusively women talking about this. And I think that there's, you know, the concept of marriage. Obviously, I understand it's a 
big important part of people's lives, but people get so angry about somebody else doing something that they don't agree with mm. in the institution of marriage. It's the, right. It, and yeah, so it, it does bring out a lot of I mean, emotion. the reason I chose this subject is I, I am monogamous, and actually I've been monogamous in virtually every relationship. I absolutely think monogamy is not the way we're supposed to live our lives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm stay with it because what has happened is I have ended up with people who I really want to be with in, you know, some relationships that have ended, but I really wanted to be with them and I really want the relationship I'm in now to be what it is. And I don't think not being monogamous would sustain that relationship. It would destroy that relationship. That doesn't mean that I think monogamy is how human beings are supposed to live their life. I I I absolutely don't. I completely agree with you. I think that I, you know, cannot be bothered with anything but to be monogamous. It seems like a very stressful existence to me. Yeah, it is very stressful, I imagine. Put it around. Um, But... I mean, I know, men, I know men, many of them, I mean, in yeah. comedy, there's yeah. a lot of them who have been extremely promiscuous. And I'm really I, shocked. I, I, yeah, and I do think when I, when I listen to them, blimey, it's very hard work. But there's yeah. no, I think the thing to clear up here is there is absolutely no problem with being promiscuous. There is no, no, no problem with being monogamous. But, no problem. But only as long as you are being truthful to the other person. The two times in my life that I've been cheated on, I knew for a good six months before it was found out because they were lying to me and I knew that I was being lied to. But because they kept going, I'm not lying, everything's absolutely fine. I just got this weird, weird, creepy sense of being gaslit. Yeah, I mean, whilst I agree with you that the lying is bad and uh, one thing I said to it in the show is an inability that I have to lie, which which would make (laughs) non-monogamy very difficult, but... I never use the word cheating when I talk about it. I don't like the word cheating. I think it implies a a moral judgment. And I think that all of those moral judgments about infidelity should not exist, especially in the tabloids. So, for example, when the tabloids talk about someone being a love rat, what they should say is, he or she is not good at monogamy. Yeah. They just failed at monogamy. Oh, that's right? true. But and I that, just... I, no, I, I hate so the word cheating. I, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm sure you were hurt, but you know, you're hurt by the lying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I'm quite philosophical about infidelity in that I just feel like it's the symptom, not the cause of a relationship problem. So I think, you know, my friends who that's, it, that's come to pass, it's always at a long point after which possibly the relationship wasn't working for other reasons i don't so i i'm kind of with you on that yeah. possibly i mean yeah. I, I just have yeah. i never ever it's one of the reasons in my show i talk about my mum's infidelity and one of the things is people sometimes do say to me are you, you are you angry about it well no partly because i think it's funny but partly because i just have no judgment about that stuff i, mean, I never judge anyone for any kind of sexual misdemeanor I, that I involves don't. another consenting i've mean, had less judgment in one of the cases if i hadn't been trying to break up with the guy for like a yeah. full six months oh really before. that's bad yeah but i mean no, well, i had that too can i say i had that too actually i'm gonna mention this i've never talked about this before but anyway one girlfriend i had i've been with for a long time uh she had turned out to be having an, uh, an affair with someone for six months. Uh, and then she told me, and I was annoyed, not really about the affair. I was annoyed because she'd made my life hell for six months because she felt guilty. Yes. And, and that, was, uh, that was very, very annoying. I kind of think, like, well, why didn't you just tell me But as soon as you slept with him and then maybe we could split up and fine, but don't take it out, your guilt on me, for six months. The hilarious end to this, though, is that I only found out about this about a year, year and a half later when I was very happily with my new husband, with my now husband. Um, the girl in question DM'd me on Twitter. She oh, really? sent me such an elaborate series of tweets that I genuinely thought it was the promo for some, like, fairly cheap, erotic fiction novel. Oh, right. Well, they included that kind of information. Well, no, she, had a, she had a blog listed on her Twitter profile, and it was basically 
some kind of weird, well, not a weird, but it was just basically a sex blog. But it was right. so poorly written, I genuinely thought it might be one of those 99p cheapies you get on Kindle. Okay. But it wasn't until she sent a picture that my boyfriend had taken me taken of himself in my bedroom. She sounds like a weirdo. Like, I know, she sounds and really I, horrible. I replied yeah. to her and just went, yeah. look... You know, I'm I'm not going to I'm going to block you in about 20 minutes just to give you time to read this message. But just so you know, this is a real dick move. And then I yeah. texted my ex and was like, "Mate, shut it down." Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, you know, I mean, so many people do it that it's it, there's no point denying it's a it's such a human thing to do. And so I, that's why I'm I don't really well, judge uh, my friends in the same way. But then I st- I hate that girl. No, no, she. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. you don't hate her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's horrible that she slept with your boyfriend or yeah. whatever. But you don't hate her really for that. You hate her for that behaviour afterwards, exactly. which is weird. That's behavior. what I mean. But yeah. I think there is something else, I guess, which I, should, I I deeply believe as well that we've replaced God in our culture with love. Uh, that God doesn't really. I mean, I know there are obviously fanatically religious people, but in general, in the mainstream culture, all the art, all the songs, all the plays used to be about God. Now they are about love uh, and we really buy in still to a religious virtually myth of love which n- all of us know is not true we all know that finding the one looking across a room the romantic comedy myth and living with them till the end of whatever that's why romantic comedies tend to end when those people get together because they can't yeah. deal with what happens afterwards we all know it's not true and yet well, some of us, as you say, still get furious. Yeah. If people say, you know what, this isn't actually workable, I'm going to try a different way of living yes. sexually. To be fair, the way I feel about my cat is very ancient Egyptian. Well, that's true. So we're allowed to not I'm, be monogamous I'm, as long as we're telling everyone. Is that <laughs> right? I'm fairly monogamous yeah. with my cats, although I do have four of them, so it's polyamorous. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so this is a perennial topic these days. God, 10 years ago, it wasn't a thing. But is it okay to Google yourself, David yeah. Baddiel? Well, I did do that quite a lot. I Googled uh, you today. Well, that's, but that's fine. You've got an interview <laughs> with me to do. I think that's just research. Uh, yeah. But I did use to Google when it first appeared as a thing. you know. And actually, I remember Rob Bryden talking in the interview once about how he was 
370 days clean from Googling himself. It had to actually wean himself off it. And I do agree with him that it can become very obsessive and almost like an addiction. Or whatever. And what, I, what I, I stopped doing it yeah. for, for a while, and now actually I have started doing it again. And I, I, partly because, if I could be absolutely honest about the shallowness of this, I'm doing something at the moment, a show that's doing really well, uh, and getting loads of praise, good reviews. And I, and I think, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm less frightened of Googling myself because there's less uh, going to be less negativity out well, there. Well, we did... Uh, a podcast a little while ago about is it okay to fish for a compliment and it's kind of the technological version of that isn't it and I think it is okay well Katy Perry did it the other day oh did she love this she she had posted two like fairly chatty informal Instagrams which sort of showed her just looking like just sort of like a normal person basically Mm. and then she posted a screenshot in which she had googled Katy Perry hot and literally just grabbed (laughs) the first image that came up she looked smoking really guys I was just you know feeling marginally insecure about my last two Instagrams so no shame here we go she has the the advantage that there will be a lot of images it doesn't work when you put Joe Elvin no well I I googled Cat Brown hot afterwards and I just got lots of pictures of Cat Dennings from Two Broke Girls but Mm. she looks hot can I say I was at uh, Katy Perry's first wedding can I just say that? Oh, I, I was there. Drop. Come on, uh, that is God. awesome. I was there. And just in terms of uh, sexy images, there were a lot of images uh, of the two of them looking great. But the only image at the time that was actually taken was because there was a lockdown on, on whether or not uh, photographers were allowed in except their photographer. So there was like 200 outside the safari camp uh, that we were all in. And it, I was the only one who went out because I was sitting around and my daughter, who was about seven at the time, said, Dad, there's a camel ride thing being offered outside. And everyone said, yeah, you mustn't go outside. Then they all left and I said, come on, let's go. And then literally hundreds and hundreds of photographers were taking my picture, many of whom were thinking, who is this strange looking fat Jew and his daughter? Where is... You know, because people thought that like P. Diddy and people like that were there, but he wasn't there. In fact, maybe, maybe they thought you were Russell Brand. Yeah, well, they might have thought oh, Russell Brand's let himself go. They might have thought. Uh, but so, if you if you Google me, you will in fact see that. You will see this image of me looking very uncomfortable on a camel with my daughter covered in badly applied sun cream outside Russell Brand and Katy Perry's wedding. <laughs> Katy Perry literally hot. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Oh, I just want to talk about that wedding now. I'm very happy to answer any <laughs> questions about it. I'm fine. I'm a close friend of Russell Brand, so yeah. I will only say nice things about him. Oh, no. We're, we're big fans of Russell Brand. Did they have a cake? Uh, they did have a cake, yeah, but it was a vegan cake. Well, they've so. improved over the last few years or so. We'll yeah. allow that. I can't remember the taste of the do vegan think, cake, to be Do you honest. think having a vegan cake might have cursed the blessing? <laughs> so I think, the there other, I think there were other things. <laughs> I think they were already not quite right. I'm going with veganism. <laughs> yeah. It's the root of all evil. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I will tell you something, actually. Russell did tell me, and this is probably something I shouldn't say, but he did tell me that they'd had a big row the night before they got married, like Standard. a massive row. Yeah. yeah, and so, and I did think when he said that, of saying, like, oh, well, are you sure you want to, but I didn't say, are you sure? Yeah. Perhaps that's I a, should have done. That's you a hard place for a friend though. to go. I don't, yeah. I don't think you can. Um, this has also happened to friends of mine, and it is just that thing where, I think whoever you are, once you are in that wedding Boulder, it yeah. just becomes a bit like something out of an Indiana Jones film. Right. And you can't get out of that because there are too many people depending on you. Yeah, well, there were a lot of people, yeah. a lot of photographers. Um, and, well, actually, they didn't get, they didn't get but there were a lot of people because he had invited all these people. He'd, God love him. Russell had paid for all his friends to come out to India. Oh. And I think Katie had paid for her friends, who were mainly models and, uh, and gay men, mainly, to come and be her side of the wedding. So, you know, in a way, it would have been very weird for them to say, actually, we're not doing it. Because all, all, all you people that we... Um, but I would have been fine because I was having a fantastic <laughs> you, time you got a in, right. in a safari camp yeah. in India, yeah. Amazing. 
I feel really I bad about that. We've gone off the we've gone off the subject. Any of this. We've gone off the subject. Yeah, but um, googling yourself, I've I've lost interest. <laughs> no, sorry. Well, <laughs> no, but I think I think uh, it isn't necessarily a good thing to do, and I don't think I should do it in with myself. I mean, if you are at all well known, it's a particular issue because you, you do get news about you and whatever, and you sort of want to keep an eye on that. But keeping an eye on it obsessively is not good for your mental health, I don't think. And in a larger way, I think you know we do live obviously, in a very self-reflexive culture now where everyone at all times can show images of themselves and get those rated and get those liked. And I think that's worrying. I mean, my daughter uh, has taken herself off rather brilliantly Instagram recently. How old is she? 15. Yeah. Um, my, my 11-year-old's an obsessive stalker but doesn't post much yet. But, yeah. Oh, right. Well, yeah. my, but my daughter took herself off because she felt that there was competitive, you know, liking going on within her friendship groups mm. and that wasn't healthy. And I really admire her for doing that. And she's told me, you know, it's difficult and she feels drawn back to it from time to time because now she feels possibly sometimes excluded by not being on it. It's so disturbing if you think about how we feel as grown adults and how lousy we can feel after Mm. a social media session. And then these kids, they're just not equipped for it. But, you know, we've talked about this before. Can I ask you something as journalists, actually, which does interest me, though, about the whole Googling yourself thing, which is... um, when social media and Googling and below-the-line comments first happened, I noticed something interesting amongst journalists, which is that for the first time, I saw journalists being upset and outraged by things that had been said about them online. And I did think for a little bit, well, that's what it's like yeah. being famous. Because I, when I first had articles written about me before the internet, and they were horrible, which would happen from time to time, I would think, oh, that's horrible. And does the journalist have no empathy with feeling what it's like being slagged off in print? And then suddenly, they did yeah. when they saw it happening to them. That's the very worst, interesting. The worst example of this, very quickly, which mm. is when I started work at The Times and sat next to our new law reporter who said... Did you go to Durham? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh my God, you reviewed my band. Oh, oh no. And it was worse because I was uh, an 18-year-old trying to be a music journalist and I just basically slagged them off. Oh, I've never dear. been unnecessarily hideous about anybody since. <laughs> so sorry, James, your band was average. <laughs> it's Cat Cat Moran tells it worse a, now. But Cat Moran tells a great story about really slagging off Ed Sheeran and then absolutely dying mortificado when he sort of like called her out on it and she said she hasn't been nasty to anyone since then. Yeah, well, I did. I, yeah. I, in my last show, my last show was called Fame Not the Musical and was partly about this, about the reality, yeah. the human reality of people who are on telly or whatever. And I said I used to do a joke about Henry Kelly. Do you know Henry Kelly used to present Going for Gold, right, which was a daytime TV show. Anyway, I used to do a, a quite a vicious joke about him. I mean, not really, but sort of horrible. And then I saw him in a pub drinking by himself and I, I just thought, this is awful. You know, there he is and I wish I'd never said it and I think that's quite important because I do think I think at the heart of any kind of goodness in society is empathy is really understanding what it what it feels like to be someone else and I sometimes think that weirdly is going more and more because of the internet because people are more drawn into well how am I coming across and can there be more things about me up there I like to think there's also a pocket of people who are very aware of how vicious everything sounds online and are starting to temper it and understand that in discourse i hope so because the level of viciousness is incredible (laughs) i agree Uh, you know the the lack of empathy which is why i do not google myself that that thing that happened to lily allen recently do you know that that, it's unbelievable is it okay to just know with utter certainty that you don't like something that you've never tried Mm. well the reason i chose this one is comes back to sex, I'm afraid. Uh, I know we talked about sex first. That of is all. on my list. I'll I'll freely admit it's quite fun. Yeah. Well, uh, it's about sexuality because yeah. I know that I am not gay, 
but I have never tried it. And actually, I was talking to Carl Pilkington. You know Carl Pilkington? Oh, I love Carl Pilkington. And I love Carl Pilkington too. Yeah. Uh, but, there's no but, but feels wrong there. And <laughs> I was talking to Carl, yeah. and Carl was talking about Twitter. It was a little uh, radio show, in fact, that he was doing at the start of Twitter, and he didn't tweet. And he said, uh, I haven't tried it, but I don't think I would like it. And I said, well, how do you know until you've tried it? And then he said, well, you're not gay. And he brought that up. Right? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you haven't tried that. And I said, no, no, that's true. I said, I just have a sense that I wouldn't from my sort of own fantasies and all the rest of it. And then he said, I thought that about olives. <laughs> so, so I'd never tried olives. And then I tried them and I liked them. But so, that's, that's Carl. That's on brand. Well, I don't, yeah, I very, don't know him, but that's, that's his thing. That is very on yeah. brand, yeah. So I don't know. But I mean, apart from that, which I might be wrong about. I have never tried it. But apart from that, I cannot think of something that I would necessarily n- know that I wouldn't like if I tried it. The way Carl feels about olives is the way I feel about skiing. Skiing, right? Yeah, I just, I don't know, it's We need cold. to send you on a holiday. No, it's not going to yeah. happen. You have to dress like a Teletubby. <laughs> and I just, I don't want to do it. No, well, that's a very yeah. interesting thing, I have to, which is I used to go skiing. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I don't anymore because I realised... I didn't like it, but it took me a while because I liked other things that weren't skiing about it. So I liked hot being with hot chocolate with amaretto, being with people in the that. mountains. I yeah. quite like fondue, yeah, uh, right, all that. Yeah, but it took me ages to realise. No, I don't actually like the skiing. It's the dangerous. Way to sort this though is we just send Joe in a sweater and jeans to Milton Keynes. Yeah, indoor skiing. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, that's perfect. Actually, but I know I'd be terrible at it. I know. Oh, oh I God. Would. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, everybody's yeah. terrible. The at other skiing, thing I've given up. I've given up recently is drinking. And that's not because I had a drink problem. People, you're looking at me immediately like, oh, God, No, no, no. We, we talk about this a lot in the office. Well, the reason I gave yeah. up drinking is I, it took me, it's taken me a long time, like nearly, I don't know when I started drinking, about 30 years or whatever, to realise that I just don't really like the taste. Oh. Right? I, I have never really found See, a my drink. my problem is I really do. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Like, yeah. But, you know, well, you know when you're a kid and you have your first drink and you think, ugh. Yeah. yeah, and it takes you a while to get over it. I've never really got over it. Uh, well, that right. was me with smoking. I kept smoking uh, as yes. a teenager thinking, no, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. You really I, hope yeah. so when you're pinching uh, your Well, that's interesting because actually yeah. I did get over with smoking. I don't smoke, yeah. but I do quite like smoking. Yeah. But uh, although I never smoke a lot. But so you drink- and I can never ever drink together or go on skiing holiday together. <laughs> no, that's true. I don't even there's like no, olives either. There's no so. future for us. No. No. But, you know, we better let you go then, I guess. <laughs> Go and get ready for your play. All right, in my play. Please do go and see... Oh, shit, I called it a play again. It's all right, no, I like the fact you called it a play. That's funny. I thought it was a callback. I didn't realise it was like just a mistake. I, actually, I, I thought you like, were taking the piss. That's a Friday afternoon brain fart, everybody. Okay. Sorry about that. But please do go and see My Family, Not the Sitcom. Thank you very much for joining us today, David Baddiel. Thank it's you. I really enjoyed it. It was a lovely chat. Yes, come back. I will. I'm happy to come back. And thank you, Cat Brown. And please do subscribe on iTunes, everybody. Then you'll never miss an episode of Glamour Hates OK, because why would you do that to yourself? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.